Hello and welcome to the Coolest Kids. I am one of your hosts recording directly into his microphone correctly, Terrence Wiggins. And I am your other host, Brock Wilbur, also trying not to not to fuck this up this time. Uh, this is the first time I've ever had to re-record an episode. We had Nathan on once already to discuss this album, and uh, that day I got a new medication and uh, didn't notice that the uh, Arrested Development winky face didn't mean uh, drink on this. Uh, so I, uh, I mumbled through most of an hour of an episode and, uh, we thought, well, we all deserve better here. So here we are coming back to do it again. And we're joined that Nathan, he mentioned the very same. Who is that? Who is that? Nathan? Um, Tell me about that. Nathan. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm Nathan Grayson, the, the only Nathan that matters. Um, oh, wow. and yeah, so we have a, uh, we're, we're re-recording this episode, which means there's a lost episode of your podcast now. Like it's going to go down. There's in history. There's at least four lost episodes of this podcast. There's, there's, there's quite an there's there's a comparable number. Like a third of our episodes are lost episodes. Yeah. Uh, also, coincidentally, he's the only Nathan that is ever involved in video games. There is no other Nathan in video games. That's there incredible. really isn't. Though, um, there are like other people and characters with the name Grayson somehow attached to them. So like um mm. for a while people got me confused with the main character of Bulletstorm, if y'all remember that game. Well, how um the main character's name like is that Grayson. That that game was great because you did a lot of drinking in it. And you kicked you kicked people real good. You did. It's the only thing I remember about that game really is the kicking. And then they re-released it, and it was like sixty dollars. I was just like, I'm not paying sixty dollars for Bulletstorm again. Like you can you just make it work on PC, like you did before. Anyway, uh, welcome God. to the Coolest Kids, a first-person shooting video game podcast. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yes, I'm mad. Uh, uh, but no, we are going to be talking about the Deer Hunter second album, Act Two, the. the I don't. I forgot to open the Wikipedia page. That's the actual name of the <laughs> that was album. Such a weird delay. <laughs> Act two, and the forgetting to open the Wikipedia page, so we know what the the whole title of the album is called because it, it, it's long it, and complicated. It like the full title the is the second album was, and it was Act two. That'd be amazing. Act, but it has a whole other. It's got a big long name. It's um the <laughs> meaning of comma ampersand and. All things regarding misleading. Yes. It is It is uh, the second part in a story uh, by the band The Deer Hunter. Uh, and let's kick this off. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Talk about this album. Uh, so one, I've, I listened to this album pretty close to when it came out. Uh, I, have, I have a lot of memories of listening to i used to work with uh, my mom at uh, their church at my mom and dad's church uh helping her clean up because she's a janitor over there and i listened to this album a lot uh sing along with it as i'm vacuuming a uh as i'm vacuuming a tire an entire sanctuary hmm. um that's kind of weirdly fitting given that this album <laughs> is kind is about you know or at least one of the pivotal locations in this album is a brothel that is also a church, or at least that is tied mm -hmm. into a church. Um, did any of that, when you listened to it as a kid or when you were younger, did any of that subtext get to you? Were you like, huh, oh, wait a not minute? A, 
Not at all. <laughs> not not in the not in the slightest. Not in the least. Uh, I just uh, Casey Crescenzo just hit all the, like my range is exactly his range. So uh, so I could hit all the same notes he did. Okay, here's and here's a fun question so... to ask about a concept album then. And I'm sorry, you guys are supposed to be like interviewing me about this loosely, but That's whatever. It um, <laughs> when you were first listening to this album, what did you think it was about? I, I don't know. I like, I, I mean, I kind of gleaned something from the misleading thing. Something about, uh, something about not getting something from a woman, maybe not sex, but like some sort of relationship or something. Like I couldn't. I couldn't tell you because I like the like the the second half of the album kind of made sense narratively, but like the rest of the album just kind of felt like songs. Mm. Uh, so I didn't, I did not understand most of what was going on. Yeah, that's fair. also I was straight out of high school, and uh, it, I was stupid. <laughs> did you understand stupid, that something but... was supposed to be going on, or where it was the concept album thing sort of lost? What'd you say? Oh, I said, I said, uh, was, did you understand that something was supposed to be going on? Yes, I did. Well, I knew that, uh, like I knew the act one, act two, like I knew it was, it was something, but I wasn't, I like, I had no grasp of it at all. Okay. Uh, and like we talked about, um, like a year later after this came out, the, the last episode that me and Brock recorded, we did, uh, forgive Durton's Razia shadow. Which very much is just like, hey, this is a story. <laughs> like, we are making a play here. <laughs> right, right. It wasn't, like, this wasn't the first concept album. Like, I'd listen to Cursive, and pretty much every album that Cursive has is a concept album. Uh, so I, I knew... I like, I like your comment about how the difference between the last album and this one, because this one doesn't have songs that include lines like, exit stage right. And you're like, okay, well, that's... <laughs> it just sort it of doesn't does have... what it's going to do. <laughs> It doesn't have people going into weird, uh, into weird voices, uh, and it's, it's stories. Like, I don't know. Like this story is very much a chapter while the last album was a whole story that kind of tried to compress all of it into like 30 minutes while yeah. this album is only one chapter and it's seven, 76 minutes long, 77 minutes long. Almost. <laughs> it really uses. Yeah, this definitely. Well, I mean, I think there's the, um, like with Razia's Shadow too, the thing that sort of always got me about it is like you can't listen to it without the story being present. And so like there's some right. songs on that album where I'd be like, I'd try to show them to friends and then like the narration would pick up and I'd be like, oh, it just got weird. And I've got to like explain this whole <laughs> thing to whoever I'm sitting with. And I didn't want to do this. Right. I just wanted to hear a song. Um, whereas, yeah, you know, I feel like uh, with, uh, with Razia's Shadow, like before like the missing piece, like that song is like a good song to be like, hey, this is what this this is what this band sounds like, or this is kind of like uh, what you'll get from this album. But then like it cuts hard at the end, and it's just like here's narration, and you're just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So Nathan, yes, you went to camp. I did go to camp. <laughs> I went, went to, to camp. um. Yeah, I went to super special you deer hunting camp. camp. You went to you went to a band camp, but not a band camp like where children go to learn how to play a flute. Yeah, no, this was for um, 
This was for grown-up nerds. <laughs> um, yeah, no. It was, How was that? Um, it was amazing. It was a really amazing experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a bunch of people who were really, really into this band. And... Mm-hmm. Um, who wanted to either learn music from the band or just have an excuse to hang out with them in a forest for a week. And <laughs> I think that everybody got what they wanted, whether it was, you know, from column A or column B. Um, the band was like really cool and accessible the whole time. And um, they were also really down to just like work with the people who attended who were actual musicians, of which there were a number of them. There were some people who were like phenomenally good. The camp had like mm-hmm. a, um, there were open mic nights a couple nights. And there were people who played who were, like, so good that it was, like, like how are you guys not popular and professional? Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that whole group was just really cool. Um, most of us spent the week, you know, making extremely obtuse jokes about the band's lyrics and mm-hmm. storyline and all of that. Um, it would have been impenetrable to anybody who wasn't this into the band. It was... Um, what happened is Casey Crescenzo of the Deer Hunter formed a cult for a week. His own fun little cult. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and he played us music, and we all thought we were in heaven. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. Um, yeah. And yeah. Now, uh, what, when, did you, when did you get into the Deer Hunter? Um, so I got into them um, actually after... Um, after this album came out, um, so they basically, I think around 2010 or 2011, they um, announced a tour with Coheed and Cambria, who mm-hmm. is, you know, a favorite of mine um, and has been for a very long time, as a certain Brock Wilbur can attest, um, <laughs> from the time that I stayed on his couch pretty much entirely just to go to a Coheed show that I wanted to see. Um, oh, what times? <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so the Deer Hunter was like a supporting act. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, I should, you know, probably check these guys out and see if they're any good. And uh yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah, they're really good. Um they I like this a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it was weird in that like I didn't I I liked them initially, but it took me uh, a while to reach the point of being like, oh, I think I like I think I love this. I think I adore mm-hmm. this music. Um at first it was just like this is neat. They're, they're also doing a concept thing and they've got, you know, kind of a more diverse instrumentation than Coheed did where Coheed was just, you know, kind of the typical guitar, bass, drums, vocals, rock band. And the Deer Hunter's like, we're going to have horns and we're going to have all of these other, we're going to have weird clicking sounds and, you know, ragtime piano. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, after like really listening to Act 2 a lot, especially, I was like, oh man, this band is frankly doing more than what Coheed is, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so then my my band allegiance began to shift slowly over the years. <laughs> you you abandoned you abandoned your hair brother Claudio Sanchez. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say abandoned. I just you know, if it came down to taking a bullet for Claudio or Casey, first I try to figure out a way to arrange it such that I could just take both of the bullets. And then I'd start getting into, you know, kind of the whole trolley situation of who do I shove in front of the train that's apparently also a gun, my metaphor, really. You just asked what you like about music. I don't know how we got this far into it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. That, that's on me. 
so yeah, uh, what you were talking about, like there's a there's a big difference between uh, like Coheed was one of those bands. Like I knew, like you can kind of tell that there's a story. Like the first album, it doesn't really sound like in Coheed's mm-hmm. uh, situation. The first album doesn't really sound like it has that uh, uh, concept album to it like that it doesn't it kind of sounds like individual songs like it doesn't doesn't sound like there's a story but you listen to the second album and like it starts off like uh like it's very sweeping and everything Mm -hmm. we're just like oh these dudes is making a uh concept album (laughs) uh and so when when you get to this like it's kind of weird that they were on uh, a tour together because they're not like I don't feel like these are the same audiences. Really. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely to some extent, overlap. Um, well, mostly mostly newer Coheed stuff where it's like, oh, we're Rush now. We became Rush. <laughs> uh, while this definitely feels like emo kids who were in um, who were in drama class. <laughs> So you mean emo kids? Um, <laughs> look, I look, he they tried to get me to join drama class, and I was just like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. no I, I was similar. I was like, you can't make me join drama class. I'm just gonna hang out with all of the drama people and become entirely just a part of the scene. But I'm not gonna do it. I'm so I'm I'm like a worse drama kid. <laughs> well, I was. I remember being. I was coming out of my uh, my guidance counselor's office uh, one day. And uh, the drama teacher, he was like, oh, you have such a nice voice. You should join my uh, drama club. And I was like, I'll think about it. And I never <laughs> thought about it. I mean, you changed schools and you were never heard from again. <laughs> I faded. I faded into the background. That was back when his name was Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Woggins. Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so I. I did like you like you said I didn't have a when I first heard this I kind of fell in love with it um and what we were saying earlier how uh that is the wrong tab that I just opened uh <laughs> we were saying that <laughs> Yeah I know we were just berating you about it for like 15 minutes like how did you open the wrong tab again what is your deal Uh what you were what you were saying earlier about um I can't talk at all today. Good Lord. About Razia's Shadow, how you can't just pick out a song from that and just be like, here, this is one song with this album. To right. To. Yeah, no, you'll get, I feel like, you'll get about three minutes into the song and then a guy will start talking at you and you'll be like, ah, where? Who is he? It's like, what? Wait, what are you making me listen to? Ah, uh, where? <laughs> is this a, is, is, are you trying to recruit me into a cult? What's happening? Um, yeah, but yeah. Look, with this with this album, there are singles on this album, like mm-hmm. stuff that you could pick out. And be like, hey, listen to this. this well, yeah, this no. There's a um. There's an especially outside. there's an especially notorious for the Deer Hunter single on this album. Um, I mean, it's not really a single because it's like six minutes long. But uh, Red Hands, right. Red Hands mm-hmm. is probably their most popular song, um, at least from this era of the band. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's sort of a, it's kind of the Deer Hunter's creep. Um, Casey doesn't really love the song so much and for years he refused to play it live even though you know it's mm-hmm. definitely the song where like in the crowd there will always be at least one person who's like play Red Hands 
and then like somebody will throw a beer bottle at them or something um (laughs) but yeah um because you know i think that um the song and kind of by extension the album are it's definitely the deer hunter's most kind of emo leading leaning material Mm -hmm. um red hands is very like you know overtly about a relationship and about like an angsty part of it and uh, I think, you know, Casey kind of grew out of that and as a result grew out of the album and the song. Right. And so there's kind of some shame in it for him. Um, interestingly, though, on the most recent tour and at camp, uh, he did play the song. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of like the next level of that growing up process where you're like, I've made peace with this. Um, <laughs> I personally find this thing that I made kind of dumb. But I also respect that other people get something out of it, so I'm going to do this for them. Right. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, not talking about the album, but I do think that is a that is a sign of kind of accepting who you, you were a different person mm-hmm. back when that thing happened, and you. St- I mean, you still like people still enjoy it, and like there's still some value to like revisiting as long as you aren't thinking the same way right like when you get older <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and i mean that's the other thing i like so much about the deer hunter is that i feel like they really they have changed a lot as they've grown and aged mm-hmm. um and so like for a while i mean casey just stopped making act records altogether he made act three and then kind of took a break from the series and yeah. made um the color spectrum which is this giant collection of eps each of which has four songs they're all based on different colors and as a result they're all different genres yeah and so it's this massively ambitious piece of work he collaborated with like tens of other musicians to make it happen um and then did another album too called migrant um before returning to the acts with in my opinion right. a very different and much more per- much more mature perspective in regards to like the subject matter that he decided to explore with the same characters that appeared in X one through three. Um, mm. And so it's cool to have that. Cause it's cool to have this album, these albums that like book in parts of not just the creator's life, but also your own Where like act two for me. Like, yeah, I listened to it when I was younger and also pretty angsty. And right. so <laughs> even in the times when I didn't necessarily know the story front to back, like I do now, I was still like, yeah, this resonates with me. I am, angry about the fact that i can't seem to make a relationship work because i'm stupid um and then now like acts four and five are kind of more about coming to terms with the mistakes you've made over the course of your life and um trying to be somebody you're not to avoid that and then eventually coming to terms with the fact that you can't stop being yourself you can't run forever and then dying which you know i do hope to do someday (laughs) I also hope not to be a huge idiot. Uh, so, Brock, yes. you haven't you haven't said anything. Do you want to say some words? I mean, I, re- I, I like this a lot. I, I see, I see, first and foremost, I just see what Nathan sees in it. Uh, or I mm-hmm. see what why Nathan likes this. This is such a Nathan album for <laughs> Nathan's emo brand. brand. Uh, it if, is, uh, if you just plugged an aux cable into Nathan's brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aux cable. Oh, that's a that's a good line that we should use more often. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been on sort of a, a concept album kick here, and I, I always love a good concept album. This is one that's uh, weirder to take in because usually a concept album is self-contained, whereas this one is the career of the band. 
so I, I did a fair share of, of reading up at least the, the previous act and the next act. And I, I, I get some of this. This is a, it's, it's a cool album. I, I like everything about it, but uh, it's, uh, it's also one of those things that I'm like, I know that I don't really have anything to add to this one until I put like another 20 full listens into it because otherwise, <laughs> yep. like, and, and, and read along with the libretto as we go to figure out which character is talking and why, and then uh, eventually reach the point that I'm on genius uh, finding other people's comments and being like, no, here's why you're wrong. Uh, and then, um, then I, then I can listen to this album. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really good. And I'm glad that we did an episode about it. It's uh it's, it's pretty hard to crack. I mean, I, it's, it's a, it's such a technically good album and it's a fun listen, but uh, I don't know. Some, some of the Story songs wise. kicked me and I, I felt like stuff that I was like, okay, I, I can feel the, the the general emotion that I'm supposed to feel there, but for right. it to break through and get specific for me, I have to understand what's happening. Uh, and when when we're doing mythology, we're not doing lyrics in the same way, and that that becomes uh, a very different thing. It's like I, I'm I'm too focused on cracking the lore of what we're doing mm, to focus right. on how I how the, the how the songs make me feel. So Nathan talking about this book ending, those parts of his life, and why you can't like keep a stable relationship going like that's that gave me more insight than i got from the entire listen yeah i, d- I definitely understand what you're saying like i like i love this album but also i don't know anything about the story <laughs> uh, <laughs> like and i've tried i've tried to look it up like back before that because i guess they're like act five is the end of it like back before even act three came out or at, at, before after act three came out, I was just like, I'm going to try to look up the story and see if like I can catch up, but it was like not written down anywhere. And like listening to it didn't help any and like trying to find lyrics. This was like a time when lyric sites were just filled. Like genius wasn't around at this time. Mm-hmm. This is nine years ago. So like every lyric site you went to was just like, we have about 30 ads on this page. And if you try to look at this on your phone, it's gonna explode. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've never, I've never like the the story hooks have never gotten me into it. Like, I just really like Casey Crescenzo's like voice and like musical acumen. Mm-hmm. Um, he has he has such a good voice. I love his voice. I would lo- I, yeah. I want to spend more time with all the albums because I that's a that's a line in for me. Yeah, no, and yeah, I mean. It's, I, I think that's one of the very good things about this band is that the music is so fundamentally good that um you don't need the story. Um, right. The story is really cool, though, in that, you know, because it's so dense, because there's so much going on, there's a lot to talk about. And so there are communities around this band that have been going for as long as the band has been around, um, in large part because, you know, people just want to talk about this. They want to share their theories about what's happening in the story or say, like, hey, here's this part of the song that I really appreciated, both musically and lyrically. Um, you know, it's the it's kind of the double... It's the I guess it's both sides of the coin with music that's this complex. Um, there, there's a lot to dig into, and so it can make it kind of impenetrable at first. But then when you really get right. into it, um, there's so well, much and there. And again, it's not even impenetrable in a concept album way. It's a concept discography. It's a concept yeah. band. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. up band. And so there are plenty of people where, like, I've actually had more success getting people into this band than I have, like, Coheed. Because I think mm-hmm. their music generally I, well, is maybe more palatable to a wider audience just because it's, right. you know, very melodic and full of a lot of, you know, fun instrumentation that's almost familiar because it draws on so much, 
music from like previous eras. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're like you're we because we've talked about uh we've talked about uh Coheed before on the show and like it, it is it starts to become less impenetrable. Like when Coheed like when I saw Coheed on MTV, like that was when their second album came out and I was just like, This is this is a weird thing for MTV and then like they kept getting more popular but they also got more like progressive rock. Yeah. And I was just like this this feels like it's not for me anymore. <laughs> and uh so like finding bands like uh like the Deer Hunter or or like I don't know. I talked about this before. I don't even. I don't even know if it was this episode, last episode. But the Venetia Fair, uh, bands like that, or where it's just like there's these kind of they're concept albums, but they're not like these. I don't know. They're easier to get into, right? Well, or I mean, even the, cursive. Like the um the way that I like to characterize them is like there are you know there are a couple different types of concept albums, right? And that you can have these like very narrative driven concept albums where it's you know there's narration and there's all of these expository lyrics and those can be a little bit like you know they can be good but they can also be a little bit cringy sometimes and Mm, then you can have this other kind that i think we're sort of digging into here with both the deer hunter and coheed where they're almost like soundtracks for an ongoing story that exists both within the album and also kind of independently of it and so I think those also like channel emotions a little bit better because the songs are often about the emotions the characters are experiencing. And mm-hmm. that makes it easier for people to listen to those songs independently of that story, but also in conjunction with it if they want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, which like, like you said with the, uh, like it, it being a soundtrack to like a character's emotion, which I think that's why I like Curse of the Ugly Organ so much. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's each song could is each song is its own story, so it's not like you have to listen to the whole album all the way through. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of pick out each part uh, that you want to listen to. It's like you don't have to consume the whole cake. You can, you yeah, can have a slice of cake. <laughs> The, okay, here's a um. You're so uh, good at metaphors, Nathan. 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 Um, you can. Yeah, no, you're very you good at metaphors. A, it's a. You can eat a slice of cake. Yeah, no, you you make it seem like it's a real slice of cake to do metaphors all the time. Um, yeah, he gets it. He got it. He, got he understands it. now. But anyway, you can eat a you can eat a slice of cake. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna leave the show and be like, what? Yeah, no, I'm why, just. Why did I'm, I ever? I'm done. This is awful. I've had a horrible time here. Nobody Why listened to this ever? podcast. It's garbage. Well, whatever you do, don't come re-record this episode again, then. Um, can we just do this every we week for the right. rest of our lives? Can this just like be <laughs> the, our touchstone? That's what uh, that's what the third season of The Good Place is about. Oh, man. Because um, the first season was about being stuck in a bad place. My jokes are very good, guys. Uh, no, so, I Nathan, what were you saying? I'm uh, sorry for interrupting Right, as we've been talking about this. <laughs> no, it's all good. As we've been talking about this, um, you know, I think we've identified a handful of bands that um, maybe, if, even if they wouldn't say that they're, like, emo per se, they have kind of angstier leanings, and they've done concept right. albums. And it's not even just the bands we've talked about. Um, I think that's true of a lot of bands 
that kind of came out of that like early to late 2000s angsty rock boom um why do you think that's so prevalent why concept albums for this type of expression yeah that's i never thought about that that's because there was like a lot of bands just like we need to write a story you know i mean even <laughs> um, like my chemical romance was on that train too yeah yeah i don't like the black parade but well i mean you're wrong but that's fine <laughs> i really like this question because it is uh inherently i suppose the answer is that uh uh, emo bands uh, have so many feelings that they got done with the album and they're like no here's the thing there's more <laughs> there's a whole other album inside of that album and we're going to write that now because just <laughs> just one album is not enough I have feelings that can't be they can't be expressed in that spectrum you can't see that shade of light I've got to make sure that they exist in the liner notes and in, in, in message boards <laughs> I mean the, I um, wonder. I wonder if it had anything to do with like how how recording became easier in like the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Like you could do a lot of stuff digitally, so you could like make these longer albums without it, uh, without it like eating up a whole CD. Like, uh, you you didn't have eighty minutes anymore to just put on a CD. Like you could also oh, that's a good do point. this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that had anything to do with it or... I mean, I think another factor, and I know this is true for Coheed at least, is, um, you know, a lot of the people making these albums were, despite, you know, becoming rock stars of a sort, deeply nerdy people. And um, so for one, you know, there's already that nerdy tendency to want to, you know, have all of this mythology and stuff. And for two, um, for Claudio of Coheed, um, he was very self-conscious. And so he didn't necessarily want to, like, talk about himself directly. And yeah. he used the storyline to kind of, as a thing to hide behind, almost. Right. And um, I gotta say, if you want to hide from the world, hiding behind uh, a flying demon bicycle that drinks human blood, uh, that's, as, that's as far away from the spotlight <laughs> as you can hide your feelings. And also, it owns. And so everybody should do it. Um, but no, so I do wonder if, like, some of it was social awkwardness, too. Being like, I don't want to, you know... I want to write about my feelings, but I also don't want people to necessarily know this is what I'm going through directly. So I'm going to say like, there's a big storyline here. And then the storyline kind of takes on a life of its own after that. Um, But also like, again, I guess kind of going back to the nerd thing, you know, for good and for ill, I think there's a tendency in geek and nerd culture to want to apply a sort of personal mythology to everything. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of video games, a lot of comics and things are about these larger-than-life scenarios that still happen to relatively human characters. And so it's tempting to see yourself through that lens, even when it's not necessarily healthy. And so, you know, you can end up in right. a place of being, like, of either thinking that everything you're going through matters a whole lot to a degree that it doesn't, or, um, <laughs> you know, not necessarily communicating your actual problems because you're too buried in whatever fantasy you've created about yourself. Right. Um... So yeah, that sure was that's what the second season of Digimon's about, actually. <laughs> Wait for that's real? That's not a joke. That was, like I'm being, <laughs> liter- I'm being actually serious. Like that was the vi- that was the whole villain's uh, thing was that he was so wrapped up in thinking that this world that he was in was a fantasy, and he was avoiding his own like bad problems, like his brother dying, that he just escaped to this world and tried to take it over, and not realizing he was actually hurting people. Shows a lot better than people gave it credit for. Yeah, no, I I grew up watching. Remember, Pokemon yeah. remember two and not days Digimon. ago when we were talking about Bulletstorm? 
But no, I grew up watching Pokemon yeah. instead of Digimon, and I truly believe I would have grown up to be a more interesting, well-rounded adult if I had watched Digimon, based on Digimon. the things that I have heard about the show. Oh, that show, God. that that show is like the third season of uh, Digimon was like the guy was like a huge uh, fan of Evangelion, mm. and you can kind of see the influences when you get to that third season, and it is. Yeah, I stopped watching the Pokemon series for Digimon because it's just so much what like it didn't treat kids like idiots and it wasn't just like the protagonist is right because he's the protagonist like he the main character well the leader in the first season of Digimon like he literally forces his like is angry with his partner because his partner won't get stronger and so his partner turns into a giant skeletal dragon and like tries to kill everybody the um i think the thing we've arrived at here is the idea of a Pokemon in the style of Evangelion concept album. Oh my god. Hmm. I, Have you ever listened to, um, to Boys Night Out's Trainwreck? Mm-mm. Because that might be similar to what you're looking for. Uh, we'll also have to listen to that one day, but also I refuse to listen to that album because it's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> oh god. It's like it's the story is about a man <laughs> who has these violent dreams and he ends up killing his wife like in the midst of like a night terror and just like the fallout from that and it gets worse from there. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. It's a like technically like it's a good album even the story is like well told like you understand like the story through the concept album but also it's horrifically depressing. Yeah, no, I think that was the other thing that sort of came out of all of these concept albums from, I guess, this the, the sort of, like, more emo-leaning bands is um a lot of them were very, uh, like, fairly dark and sometimes mm -hmm. almost edgy for the sake of it. And, I mean, again, I think they were written by, you know, fairly young people in right. a genre that was about kind of pushing boundaries at the time. And <laughs> so, I mean, to kind of bring it all back around... Uh, Act Two has some of that as well. I mean, it's primarily about like prostitution, and uh, or rather, the main character like falling in love with a prostitute, and meanwhile, the backdrop is like this place where, on the one hand, um, you know, on the one hand, it's what am I looking for? A brothel. On the other hand, um, it's a church. The idea being that like. There's this evil priest who basically, like, has people sleep with prostitutes and then on the other side of it has them confess to him. And so they just get yeah. stuck in this eternal loop of, you know, being miserable and giving him money, um, which, you know, like just, in the spectrum like doing work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on the one hand, like in the spectrum of concept album setups, it's kind of clever almost. But also, right. it feels like it was written by somebody who was young and had certain views of, like, you know, oh, religion's really bad, and <laughs> I'm mad at women, and, like, right. you know, very, like, these things that you see, you know, still expressed, I think, by young people. Like, if you go on Reddit, you see, like, all of this stuff expressed with less grandiosity on, like, a daily basis. Um, I really hate the, the implication that you just made that Reddit is essentially a concept album. <laughs> but uh, the less grandiose version of it man me too that that's upsetting to me 
because of how not wrong it is. <laughs> well, that kind of makes sense. Like, I I feel like a lot of uh, like before the internet became the internet, like what it is today. Like it was like it was like small forums and it was like Friendster and MySpace, which weren't really social media in the same way it is today. And like it was easier to work out your feelings through something mm-hmm. because it wasn't like, it wasn't always like you couldn't find an echo chamber so easily. Like there wasn't like R slash my life sucks or whatever. And you can't go up there and just like, somebody will lead you to the, like, this is where, this is where the guys who can't get laid in a mad old woman hang out. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> like you can't really find, like it was, you couldn't find that unless you like, you're just like geocities.com slash, women won't touch my penis dot <laughs> gov uh so i i do think uh this we're talking about the time that this came out like it was easier to put your emotions into a into an album or like a comic like make a comic book write a story or something and put it online because like blogs were the thing like it wasn't it wasn't like just going on twitter and be like woman won't touch penis what do i do yeah I'm mad at it yeah no that is an interesting way to look at it and yeah like it definitely was um a very different time on the internet it was also a time when it was much more easy or it was much easier to um put music out on the internet and have any hope yeah. of it being listened to by humans. Right. Um, yeah. People on the internet aren't really humans anymore. They're just kind of mouthpieces for, for their psychotic ramblings. Not the direction I was going with that statement, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Listen, I'm very smart. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good and smart. Um, and this is why you haven't written a concept album because you're good and smart and your life is going so well that you have no need (laughs) brock was literally just asking me about my job like uh because uh spoiler alert or behind the scenes or whatever (laughs) i was gonna say i don't don't know if it's a spoiler or not no one spoiler alert spoiler alert i have to edit this podcast uh (laughs) nathan had to nathan was having audio issues and he was asking me and brock was asking me about my job and i was like it's it's fine like i literally don't have to stress out about my job and that's i don't have to write a concept about them because i don't have to stress out about my job like when i was working at starbucks like it was like i felt like i had grander ideas when i worked at starbucks because like it was just like i'm miserable in this place but now i have a job where i i go to work uh for eight hours and i get to sit and watch youtube and netflix all day and nobody yells at me about not having their coffee. So I don't feel like I have to get out from under something. And that's what, I mean, I guess that makes a lot of sense with concept albums. Like they're, they're trying to make their story because they're under pressure. Yeah. Under pressure and maybe other elements of their life are not quite so exciting, but um, right. that raises an interesting point, which is I don't believe that. Cause I, I think there's like a myth that unhappy people make better art. And um, right, I do right. think that's wrong. I think unhappy people tend to make nothing because they're too busy being unhappy. Uh-huh. Um, but I also think that maybe unhappy people make better art about being unhappy. Right. 
Um, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, for all of the story and all of the mythology and stuff, um, the other thing that draws me to the Deer Hunter so much, and especially Act 2, and I think this is true for a lot of the fans of the band, is that there's a lot of very authentic emotion on that album. And even now, as somebody who maybe does not necessarily identify with the album itself as much as I did when I was younger, um, you know, those songs still really get me. And when I listen to the album, I still really feel it in a way that I maybe don't with, you know, other albums that have come out more recently um, or music I've discovered more recently. Right. Uh, Brock, do you have any final words on this album? Would you Would you recommend this album to somebody or is this just like kind of too esoteric to i mean i enjoyed it from start to finish i just uh the the question of whether or not i have the time or the energy to to give it the time that it requires is is now the next phase it's a it is a really good album uh but i also like i worry that the problem is sort of what nathan had described earlier uh i won't like listen to a song or two off of this because i know that you can't so that might keep me from listening to some of the songs that I really enjoyed because it's like, yeah, well, I, I got to get into the the fucking rhythm of what the entire album is doing. Otherwise, I I'm, I, I know what I'm missing now. <laughs> right. Nathan, final words. Um, Man, I, I think I've said all of my words at this point. <laughs> I, I actually need to, like, go lay down and just kind of recharge them. <laughs> At the right, you have to write about video games tomorrow. Oh God. Uh, yeah, I would still recommend this album. I do think I can. I both me and Nathan could listen to this like any track off of it because we've heard it so many times, and Nathan's been to camp for it. Like he has a <laughs> he has a doctorate in a deer hunter. Um, but yeah, I I think this album is is very good. It's it's like big and like nice sounding Casey Crescenzo can sing real good also you should Brock you know you should listen to uh the receiving into sirens okay because that's his that's his band before this and like it's it is a concept album like both of them are um but they're not like you have to uh like let go a part of your soul to understand yeah that sounds about right get into the rest of it I, I would say there there are still a few songs on this album you can just listen to without right. you know any there, initiation. I mean, I think you can listen right. to like Smiling Swine and be like, this is a fun song. I don't really know what it's about. Well, and they just use the right. phrase Machiavellian Dandelion, which you don't usually hear in music. <laughs> but, you know, having yeah, a good time. I mean, even like uh, the first track, or I guess the second track, is like a good like lead-in. Um, like, you could hear that on the radio. But there are certain songs I'm here that are like nine minutes long. You're just like... Okay, I'm gonna. We're gonna take some time and eat dinner and listen to this. Yeah, no, I mean, um. my. I guess th- my final words then are, um, you know, I, I'm gonna give advice to people who want to introduce this album to other people. Um, and my advice is, be very sneaky about it. Put one of the easy songs on like a playlist or something. Wait until someone says, "Oh, this is cool. What is it?" And then that's when you say, all right, I'm going to tell you the entire five album story. Sit down. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. I'm not letting you leave. (laughs) Nathan, you're reinventing the American campfire. (laughs) I mean, that's whenever anybody asks me about Kingdom Hearts and I'm just like, are you sure you want to have this conversation? Because we could be here all day. Do you wish to continue? (laughs) Do you you wish to? (laughs) Do you wish to continue this friendship? 
<laughs> I have to like I have to like put on a black cloak and sit down and talk uh, about um Nathan where can we find you on the internet um yeah so I as my day job write for a video game website called kotaku.com I'm actually um, reading one of your articles right now oh neato and then uh you can also find me on twitter at vahn16 good i like it uh brock i'm at brock wilbur on twitter and stuff uh, me and my wife have a podcast called missouri loves company uh, which you can find on itunes uh and uh we just all we all love Terrence and appreciate Terrence for for his patience and editing and, and I'd like to thank both guys for coming back tonight to try this one again. I like this new one a lot better. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense, a lot more coherent. It's not a, it's Co- not a coherent Aronofsky. in Cambria is my other podcast where I take medication and try to describe the lore of concept albums. It's not a it's not a Darren Aronofsky of a podcast uh man i want to hear a darren aronofsky of podcasts <laughs> that was whatever we recorded last time um God. you can find me on twitter at the black nerd and i also have another podcast called whatever we call it which we've just started recording episodes again. it's back it's back for a vengeance and brock you just were on another podcast uh with jenny mccarthy of all people <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, if anybody is here from that show to listen to us, hi, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Also, uh, me too. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm Uh, great too. uh, So great that I'm leaving. Thank you you for coming back and re-recording this podcast and and explaining the the whole thing about this band. I mean, look, if there's one thing that I'm happy to do repeatedly... (laughs) <laughs> um, it's just explain this band again. I'm glad I'll do this we actually gave you what you wanted, life. which was a, a different way to explain it to the same people again in a week. <laughs> yeah, I bought a. I have a Kingdom Hearts necklace now, and I'm afraid somebody's going to ask me, "Hey, what's your necklace from?" Because like light is just going to shoot out of my body. Because <laughs> I have a problem, you guys. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, All right, I think you. our conclusion is um, the Deer Hunter is the Kingdom Hearts of music. Anyway, kind God, of. guys. I mean, there's just there's probably just as many albums as there is Kingdom Hearts games. So, and anyway. on that note, uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, that's it. I've got nothing else to say. About, I was going to say do all this other stuff, but I already told you to do the other stuff. Why didn't you listen the first time I said do the stuff? <laughs> we are the coolest kids. And we take what we can get. Thank you, and we're sorry.